Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. Grain Farmers of Ontario is holding a virtual March Classic, March 22nd and 23rd. We want to thank our sponsors for continuing to support our organization and our event. Thank you, Bayer, Extendflex, and Tricepta, DeKalb, Greenfield Global, CCAN, and Syngenta Canada, Inc. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with Maureen Lewis, a clinical social worker who does psychotherapy. We discuss the importance of mental health with a focus on seasonal affective disorder. And I will have a conversation with Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. Since August 2020, Grain Farmers of Ontario's Board of Directors has been involved in a strategic plan overhaul. One of the most important elements was the addition of the inclusiveness to our values and commitments. We had planned to announce this new plan publicly later this month, but we wanted to address the diversity and inclusion now, given the recent conversations surrounding Beef Farmers of Ontario's statement and action plan to combat racism and discrimination within their sector and the broader agricultural industry. We commend Beef Farmers of Ontario in their great work on inclusion and the fight against discrimination in this industry. Some of us will never know what it feels like to be discriminated against. We should work together to understand what others are going through and what they have been through. We want to actively work to ensure that our peers, coworkers, neighbors, partners, and everyone in ag knows that they are equal, valued, and respected. Diverse life experiences, backgrounds, and ideas at the table make organizations stronger. Finding ways to make the inclusion of everyone systemic will benefit every organization regardless of industry. The entire industry needs to look at what they can do to be better and do better. Beef Farmers of Ontario has done this, and we have done this through our own efforts over the last few months reviewing and refreshing our own strategic plan. We all have a role to play when it comes to inclusion and working to end discrimination within the industry. Grain Farmers of Ontario's 2021 January District meetings are now completed. We would like to welcome Leo Blydorp to the Board of Directors. He will be representing District 11, Dufferin, Simcoe, Halton, Peel, York. He takes over for retiring director, Colin Elliott. The remaining odd-numbered districts who held elections this year returned their directors for another two-year term. Thank you to all of our farmer members who participated in their district meetings. All those who attended have been entered into a draw for one of three tech prizes. Check at Grain Farmers on Twitter and our website, gfo.ca, for an announcement of the winners. The Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Crops is working to develop a voluntary national code of practice for the Canadian grain and oilseed sector. The intent of this initiative, titled Responsible Grain, is to help demonstrate farmers' sustainable farming practices to the supply chain. Grain Farmers of Ontario is actively working through the draft version of the Voluntary Responsible Grain Code of Practice, providing comments on behalf of our farmer members. For farmer members interested in providing individual feedback, the CRSC is hosting three national farmer consultation sessions on January 27th, 28th, and 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For more information on the Responsible Grain and to register for one of three consultations, please go to responsiblegrain.ca.
You can also contact Michael Buttonham, Environment and Sustainability Lead at Grain Farmers of Ontario at mbuttonham at gfo.ca. Grain Farmers of Ontario is holding a virtual March Classic, March 22nd and 23rd. We want to thank our sponsors for continuing to support our organization and our event. Thank you, Farm Credit Canada, John Deere Canada, BASF Canada Inc., Ingredient Canada Corporation, and Pioneer. And now, here's my conversation with Maureen Lewis. My guest this week on the podcast is Maureen Lewis, a clinical social worker who does psychotherapy. Thank you very much for joining us today, Maureen. Hi, Rachel. So we asked you to participate in our podcast because in the January issue of the Ontario Grain Farmer magazine, we have a special feature on SAD, which is Seasonal Affective Disorder. And we thought that was a good opportunity to have a further discussion about that and also in general about farmer mental health. Um, Why don't we start, though, Maureen, with just learning a little bit more about yourself. Sure. One of the reasons I'm uh, interested in working with farmers is I grew up on a farm in southwestern Ontario. And uh, uh, I uh, spent a lot of time living in the city for many years, but I returned to the country outside Erin almost 20 years ago. And uh, my office in Erin is my is in my house, which is in a forested property that allows for lots of privacy. I also have office hours in uh, North Brampton. So I really enjoy working with farmers and other entrepreneurs. Can you tell us a little bit about your your designation? There's an important distinction being a clinical social worker and, and what that sort of means um, in, a, in a broader health perspective. Can you tell us a little bit about that designation? Well, thanks for asking because um, in this day and age, almost anyone can call themselves a quote counselor. Um, but when you're seeking a therapist, it's really important that you look for uh, not only their qualifications, but whether they're responsible to any regulatory body. So uh, a social worker is a professional designation, just like doctor or lawyer. And in order to use it, uh, you must have certain qualifications. I have a master's degree and it's in clinical work. Like there's lots of things you can do in social work, but mine was, uh, my interest was to do psychotherapy with individuals, couples and families. So I belong to the Ontario College of Social Work and Social Service Workers. And they have many rules about how I must practice for the protection of clients, which is, you know, a commendable thing. Mental health is often a challenge for farmers to talk about and even more of a challenge to actually seek help for. Why do you think that is? Well, I think mental health is a tough subject for anyone. And farmers uh, can be somewhat more isolated from people uh, than, for example, people who work in an office and uh, um, get to know each other just by how they react in the, in the office and so on and, and talk more about what's going on and are more likely to hear someone else say, uh, oh, I just, uh, things were just becoming too difficult for me. And uh, so I went to get some help with uh, a therapist. And uh, farmers aren't going to hear that usually. 
they might hear mental health messages on uh, TV or whatever. So I think that um, for male farmers, it's a matter of, uh, you know, having that sense, I can manage, I can do all right. Uh, and they share that with other entrepreneurs. I've got to be the strong guy here and uh, keep the train going. And um, I can't, um, I can't be weak about this, uh, which is uh, an unfortunate belief that it's being weak. Uh, because for almost anything else, you would consult an advisor if it was something in business or your soil or whatever. So um, it's just, you know, it's partly it's all society and it's partly, you know, the individuality of farmers. Now, I mentioned earlier that we want to specifically talk today about seasonal affective disorder, also known as SAD. And, you know, this time of year where there isn't a lot of daylight hours, you know, farmers are, do get out and about and, and go to different meetings and such, typically in January. But with COVID-19 and the pandemic, we aren't, we're not able to do that. And so people are spending even more time indoors maybe than they otherwise would have. Um, I'd like to start uh, this part of the conversation maybe with just an explanation, if you could, about what is SAD. Well, uh, SAD stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder, and the belief is that uh, humans, like other animals, are affected by the amount of light, and that um, a percentage of the population actually start to feel rather uh, low in the December, January, February time of the year. There's a small percentage that actually feels low in the springtime, but for the most part, sad refers to people in the wintertime. Now, you know, the um, Center for Addiction and Mental Health, which is the major researcher um, in mental health in Canada, uh, has done research on this and feels that, you know, up to 15% of the population are affected by it somewhat. Uh, and then a very small percentage, maybe three to five, are greatly affected by it. I think this year, one of the complicating things is that uh, we're in this pandemic and there is an overall blanket of uh, anxiety and worry and um, that sense of things being out of control. So, um I don't think that that's helpful in combination with uh, the sad feeling. What are some of the signs and symptoms of sad that people should look out for? How do we know if we're being affected by sad? Well, I think uh, an ongoing um, feeling of, um, let's say, listlessness. Um, of uh, just a lack of energy, lack of energy, interest in anything. Um, you know, it's, it's something like the traditional signs of um, uh, depression, but uh, uh, not as strong uh, in intensity. You know, some sleep problems because uh, light really affects uh, our sleep. And um, so if it, it if it continues for a significant period, uh, then that can be of concern and it requires uh, that someone address it. So are there then different degrees of depression that are triggered as a result of that? 
Oh, yes. And like some people who have a pre-existing condition of depression uh, can be certainly affected by SAD as well. And uh, it's just important to recognize often that there is such a thing as SAD. We can be uh, affected by it. Um, like I, uh, I'm working out of my house now, like everybody else. And uh, there's solid windows across the room that I'm working in. But uh, some days it can seem very dark out. Like if uh, you didn't know what time it was and you looked out, you would think it might be four or five o'clock in the afternoon. And it's uh, really one o'clock. So, um, and then when you get bright sunny days, you know, it, uh, it is uplifting. It is enjoyable. And people end up talking about it. You know, if you're speaking to someone on the phone, they'll say, oh, isn't it a great day? So if you think that you have SAD or you're suffering from, I guess, some of the effects of, of that, um, what can you do to treat it? I think some of the things that are also helpful in uh, dealing with COVID, and they're so closely linked that... Uh, uh, I think that uh, you can take a shot at doing those things uh, because you're not going to lose out by doing them. Um, first of all, I think structure is really important. And often in the wintertime, for example, with farmers, if they're mainly crop farmers, they don't have the same structure to their day as they do in seeding and harvest and uh, fertilizing. So, um just to be aware of that, to be aware of the sleep thing, uh, the structure of, you know, still maintaining uh, a schedule in your day of uh, eating properly food and drink greatly affect our mood along with sleep. So getting um, a decent level of sleep and sleep really benefits from routine. So going to bed around the same time at night and getting up at the same time in the morning. Um, then having, uh, watching the food, you know, watching the sugar and the carbohydrates, uh, because sugar affects our mood in terms of anxiety and uh, too much coffee. And uh, alcohol, uh, you know, we hear that alcohol usage rates have gone up generally um, the LCBO knows this for one thing. And uh, uh, it's, it's important to be careful about that uh, because once again, if we don't have the same kind of schedule um, that we do normally. You know, when we're busy working, we, uh, we aren't thinking about drinking so much as uh, we might be if, uh, you know, the long days and watching TV and Netflix uh, kind of contribute to that. The other thing, too, is providing light for yourself. Like, if you're inside, you know, turn on the lights. And uh, I know I pay country rates on hydro, so I'm aware of the expense of that. So thank goodness the government right now has, um, you know, not um, inflicted on us the usual high uh, rates for the daytime usage. Turn on the lights inside and also... There are lights available that um, you can get them from drugstores or Amazon that uh, you can turn on in the morning, preferably earlier in the day, the best. And, um, you know, you can put them on the kitchen table, literally, and eat breakfast in front of it and 
15 to 30 minutes can be helpful to you. So those light therapy lights, they, they actually do provide results? There's some evidence that they do. They don't do any harm as long as you're not just using a light that's uh, too strong, uh, that you're using a proper light. Also, getting outside. Uh, as you say, farmers are outside more than most people, but in the wintertime, if they don't have livestock, if they're not going to the barn, uh, it depends what they're doing in the day. And they're not going out to those meetings, as you say. They're not going to church even, where they see other people, other farmers. So um, there's loss of light and, and loss of contact. Mm. Uh, but the loss of light, like get out there, and if it's somewhat sunny, for heaven's sakes, uh, do something outside that, uh, you know, put on your snowshoes and go for a walk, whatever. Um, in your experience, Maureen, what are some of the other mental health concerns that you find are more common amongst farmers? Well, I think that there is a level of anxiety. Um, there's so many uncontrollable variables in farming, weather not being the least of them. Uh, uh, the commodity prices, politics in other countries even that affect our exports, um, uh, disease getting into or mold getting into your uh, field, uh, just uh, grain prices generally, not being able to control those. You commit to a crop and all the expense you have of seeding it and fertilizing it and uh, you know, at the end of the year, it can be very good news or it can be not good news. So uh, those are things they share with other entrepreneurs who also have their variables that they can't control. Uh, but farmers have, have so many. What should farmers or even farm families um, know about when it comes to seeking treatment for any mental health concern? I think uh, that they talk about it among themselves and that they recognize it. Like farm kids have their own challenges. Um, they can really love farm life or they can feel very isolated. Like they're, you know, miles away from their best friends from school. And uh, what are they gonna do about that during COVID? Uh, and also even during school time, they, they're on the bus and they're at school, but once they're home, they're home. Uh, and they don't always have transport to uh, see their friends or other activities. And right now, they don't. And, you know, the information garnered so far indicates that, you know, teens are, are getting pretty troubled right now. Mm -hmm. um, is there an easy way for people in rural areas to access uh, mental health supports? Is there any recommendations or guidance that you can give to people who, you know, want to take that step to reach out to somebody? Well, um, the one thing that's uh, present uh, in most communities or nearby uh, is the Canadian Mental Health Association offers programming. And they're doing some of that online now, just like the rest of us. There's also um, family health teams. If your doctor is in a family health team, they have a usually mental health workers attached to that office. And uh, those uh, services are covered by OHIP. 
Now, there's a lot of demand, and so it may take a while to get to them, and uh, there may be some limitation on how long you see someone, but uh, they are available, which has been a real improvement. Um, there's also independent therapists in the community. Uh, you can always find them uh, just by Googling uh, whatever the issue is, or um, certainly consulting uh, Psychology Today which is uh, a very big website. It has a lot of therapists on it and all of their specialties and training and so on. So, uh, and those therapists you would be paying for. Now, if someone is working off the farm and has uh, extended health benefits, um, then, uh, you know, family can be covered by that as well. There's also children's services agencies in some areas and uh, family service agencies that uh, have um, scaled fees uh, to a very reasonable level. You mentioned earlier your specific uh, qualifications and, and sort of what to um, be wary of when you are seeking help. So maybe we can just revisit that. Can you tell us a bit more about who you should be looking for and what sort of designations are, are ones that would be of most help to somebody? Well, I think that uh, a master's degree is important in a, in a certain specialty. Uh, now, psychology today vets anybody who lists on it. Uh, you have to provide proof of uh, your designation, for example. Um, so that's, uh, you know, some help right there. Um, also, if you know someone who's gone for help and uh, ask them about their therapist, and uh, what they like about them. And uh, so watch that they are a regulated uh, provider, that there are some rules about how much they, how they practice. Now, you're certainly entitled to ask people that if you call them up, uh, say, do you have a regulatory uh, authority about how you practice? Uh, very important. And, you know, a lot of therapists, for example, me included, um, we have a 10 or 15 minute phone consultation. So when people call us up, uh, you know, you can ask all kinds of questions like that. Um, you know, you can ask about uh, what the training is and uh, what people do uh, in terms of treating your issue and uh, things like that. And get a feel for the person on the phone. That's interesting because I think a lot of people might think that they wouldn't be in a position to be able to ask those questions or that they might be concerned about maybe offending the, the therapist or whoever that they want to talk to. Oh, no. It just, uh, like, you need to be uh, an involved consumer. And this is the start of the therapy process. If you have someone who gets their back up about that, then I think that that's kind of a, a sign that you need to be careful because most of us are used to that and uh, want to show people that we're qualified and regulated. And therapy itself is um, a collaborative venture. It's very much a partnership. It's not something the therapist does to me. Um, you know, many times the therapist uh, helps you by uh, helping you with tools. So the idea is that you learn in therapy. Therapy's a big learning operation, it really is. And when you learn to think differently often about things, 
uh, you will act differently, you will get different results. And the idea is that you take the tools from therapy and uh, you practice them in the office, but then you take them out into your life. And they're good for, for life. You know, it's not just something that um, you do for that one issue. People will often say, oh, I, I learned and then I was able to do this in another situation. And uh, it's interesting. There's a number of people I've worked with who are highly anxious. And um, anxiety is one of the most common things that I work with. And uh, uh, some of them are doing quite well in COVID, whereas others uh, who come to uh, therapy later and don't have the same tools are struggling a bit more. Yeah, I can see how COVID has maybe eliminated some of the things that some people might find, uh, you know, anxiety inducing or stressful for them because we're being encouraged to stay home and not go out into the world. I think that, you know, this is an opportunity for us to, in COVID, and, and I was, I have seen some articles starting now about that, that people are appreciating things in a different way. For example, people who've had babies during COVID uh, or have toddlers and they just have more time uh, to appreciate them. Um, that they've also appreciated getting out on the walks and people in the city have even found that there are birds out there. Uh, <laughs> if you're walking on a trail and, and other animals as well. And so I think it's been a, a rest from some things, uh, a pause, and we might think how we will lead our lives more mindfully when this is over. But we hear terrifying things, like uh, first thing this morning, I heard doctors on the radio saying, you know what, we're going to have to uh, start triaging if this gets much worse, and, uh, you know, deciding who lives and dies, and they're terrified with that prospect. And uh, so am I, frankly, after hearing that. I think it's very important to, to limit some of that information because it's really stuff that you can't do anything about unless you, you know, after you've thought of the immediate things and limiting your outings and, you know, being very, very careful. Uh, so it's a good idea to limit that information and the news. Uh, and certainly the, don't listen to terrifying COVID news right before you go to bed at night. Is that maybe your best advice for somebody about how to protect their mental health is to sort of evade or limit your exposure to that type of news events? Oh, very definitely. Very definitely. Because the newspapers, like I was looking at them on the weekend and uh, I'm a bit of a newspaper junkie. So I've, I've got the star and I've got the globe and, um, and there were just so many articles on COVID and I made definitely a, de a decision that uh, I wasn't going to read all of them by any means. I, I went through some of the titles. I looked for other things that uh, I could read about because once again, you know, I took stock, you know, okay, is there anything I can do about this? And I'm not someone who sticks my head in the sand uh, normally, but uh, I really had to take stock of that. And uh it was time to uh, stop the input because we are so affected by that. Even when we think we're not paying attention to the radio or the TV and it's on in the background, there is the way that the news is given. 
there's a tension to the speech. There's an urgency. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an alarm because it's the news. So they want your attention, but you know, it's just, it just exacerbates everything that you're already feeling. Well, Maureen, I want to thank you very much for your time today and, and talking to us about SAD and mental health in general. I, I really think it's an important conversation that we all need to continue to have. Well, I uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And as I say, if, uh, People want more information. Uh, they can always give me a call. They can find me through uh, my Psychology Today listing. It's Maureen Lewis and, uh, you know, a 10 or 15 minute consultation. I, uh, I, I don't mind doing that at all. Um, that's what I see as part of my helping profession. Grain Farmers of Ontario is holding a virtual March Classic March 22nd and 23rd. We want to thank our sponsors for continuing to support our organization and our event. Thank you, University of Guelph, OAC Dean's Office and Department of Plant Agriculture, Spirits Canada, MNP, Pride Seeds, and Roberts Farm Equipment, New Holland. With me today is Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. Welcome, Crosby. It's nice to have you here today. Good afternoon, Paige, and uh, happy 2021. Oh, yeah, it is 2021. We haven't spoken since before this. It has been a while um, since we've been able to catch up and talk about what's going on at Grain Farmers of Ontario. Um, in particular, we just finished up our district meetings for 2021, and they look they took on a little bit of a different format. So how do you think district meetings went this year? Well, they certainly did look different uh, than normal or than any other year we've had our district meetings. Um, As you know, we had 15 district meetings uh, covering the whole province in the course of about just over two weeks here at the beginning of January. And uh, they were all done uh, as Zoom calls. So uh, normally we're able to travel to the districts and have uh, farmers come to one place and uh, have our meeting with uh, with updates from GFO and hear from speakers and uh, hear from farmer members, but we were able to do it uh, in a very different format this year and it went quite well. Good. And so what were some of the hot topics that uh, our farmer members were kind of talking about across all of these meetings? So we structured the meetings to have kind of two parts. One is uh, an update from their director and GFO on things that the organization's been doing but also have opportunity to hear from farmers on what their priorities are, uh, what's important to them, or ask questions. And I would say uh, a few things came forward um, that we've been working on, but uh, reaffirmed the importance and the uh, priority. Uh, Carbon tax and concerns about the added costs that that will have to grain farmers is, is top of mind right now. Um, we know we heard uh, the new policy come from the federal government or the new direction uh, that will significantly increase costs for farmers that they can't pass on. Um, the importance of the risk management program provincially and our federal uh, business risk management programs is also something we heard loud and clear. And another area I would say is around the whole um things like the clean fuel standard regulation, which is kind of separate, but part of the whole carbon strategy and climate strategy of the federal government has a direct impact 
and uh, concerns and direction to GFO to uh, keep working hard to ensure we have policies that are beneficial and enabling for grain farmers. Uh, that would be the overall theme. Yeah, it was uh, interesting to hear some of the thoughts and opinions of some of the farmer members across Ontario for those meetings. And I do have to say, I did miss the pie. I know virtual format didn't offer that, <laughs> but uh, it was definitely, even though it was virtual, it was still a good time. Um, so speaking of different formats, the March Classic is going to look a little bit different this year. Can you s expand a little bit on what that might look like and what the event will have to offer for those who attend? Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be March 22nd and 23rd uh, coming up not too far away, a couple months. And we're going virtual, uh, as most things are this world, but uh, in this world. But we're going to have a pretty exciting format and speakers. Uh, so, for example, we're going to have the U.S. Farm Report doing a virtual taping and a panel on the markets and updates. Uh, first time this will be done in Canada, um, even though we're virtual, <laughs> it will be done here. And we've all seen the, uh, the extreme volatility and run up in our, in our commodity markets and the grain markets uh, over the last few months. And so, you know, who knows what the next two months will hold for those markets. And so we're going to hear lots about that as well uh, during the panel discussion. So really looking forward to that part of it. Um, one of the things about the March Classic this year being virtual is, um, you know, we, you don't have to travel to London to participate. You can tra you can participate from home and uh, it's open to all farmer members and registration is open. Um, if you get on there, it's easy to do and you can, uh, then stay up to date for updates and and as we go and get closer to the dates so you don't miss it. Yeah, definitely. There's some uh, interesting things planned for the March Classic from what I've heard and some great prizes being offered too for those who attend as well, um, which will be fairly interesting. It sure will. Yeah, it's. I mean, we always have some prizes and some some fun things throughout the day, but uh, we're not going to abandon that, even though we're virtual. So it's. Uh, I guess there, there's two parts too, right? There's going to be kind of a uh, exhibitor trade show. There's going to be kind of networking, some entertainment, and then on the 22nd, and then on the 23rd, we're going to get into the the program with speakers, and uh, it's going to be really fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be the first March Classic I get to attend. Um, so that's kind of exciting. Even though Is that right? Yeah. Okay, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, last year, unfortunately, we had to call it off, so you never had a chance. Exactly. Right. So it'll be, uh, I'm excited to uh, attend it this year, even, even though it's virtual, it should still be good. Um, well, Crosby, I know you're super busy, so I'm going to let you get back to your day. I thank you for taking the time to speak with me and kind of give us a little bit of an update on everything that's going on. Thank you so much, Paige. Good speaking with you. Thank you for listening to our Green Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Maureen Lewis and Crosby Devitt. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.